0: Tell us all about about 4DX, because I've never been... What? Yeah. You... (laughs) I I always thought it was kind of gimmicky, man. I'm sorry. Oh,
1: my God. It is, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It is honestly my favorite viewing experience. 4DX, I swear to God, it moves 10 times more. You are going, you need a seatbelt, but they don't put them in. So, you kind of, like, keep slipping out of the seat, so you got to stay adjusted. (laughs) But, okay. So... Say you're in a speeding car. They have fans on the top of the, of the theater, and they gush at you. So your hair's moving like this when you're in the car. The seat's rumbling like you're in a car that's moving. And then if there's a rainy scene or somebody splashes, there's either water that'll spurt in your face or just actually, like, rain down on you. And then, obviously, the wind picks up, so it's moving every way. It's tight. You don't leave soaked, but um, it's tight.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Films and Fika. Uh, I don't even know if we should call it that anymore, because that guy's not Algot. Algot left us. He had better shit to do, and um, he was a Swedish one, so I don't really know if we should call it Films and Fika anymore. Um, you're Canadian, Larry.
1: Yeah, this is my coffee for the day. So,
0: Oh, there you go. <laughs> So, Larry's Canadian, and Mexican. We don't really do tea time. I guess you guys would more than we do.
1: That's the whole reason you're here, right? It's for the fika.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who cares about the movies? It's about our deep knowledge of Swedish coffee culture. Anyways, Alga took a summer job. Fuck him. We don't need him. And... um <laughs> <laughs> he's up in the mountains and uh, he can't really record so for the next couple episodes we're going to have Larry on as a guest and um probably just watch movies that Algot wouldn't watch like, oh is
1: that, that our goal? yeah
0: yeah, mostly well the thing is uh, I think especially with this one an Identity where they're a little bit more like slashery thrillery kind of movies um yeah, he, he hates horror, so I don't know if he would be able to stand <laughs> it. How have you been, Larry? Tell us a little bit about since the last time that we've seen you.
1: So stressful. Okay. So, as you can see, there's usually movies here just packed up, and now there's, there's nothing back there. It's just empty shelves um, and boxes out in the hall. Um, so our lease was up in July landlord said like two months before, like, Hey, you guys are good to stay here for as long as you need to. You know, like I like having you, you guys are good. So you guys can stay here as long as you need to. So with that money I'd saved up for first and last month's rent for somewhere else, I then bought a bed, which is now behind me too. And then I replaced some speakers and I bought a shit ton of Stephen King books. And then the next month, not even next month, like two weeks later, he messages us, "Yo, uh, I'm getting divorced. I kind of need to sell the place to have some funds," and we're like, go, "Oh fuck," okay. Fuck. So it is what it is. We start looking. There's five of us, and we just start looking. We have a budget. We got to make the budget, and it, we just keep getting rejected, rejected, rejected. So eventually, crunch time's coming. Like it's almost it's halfway through June now, and uh. My roommates got accepted someplace else that is too small to accommodate me. And so we discussed it and we felt that it was best because we kept getting rejected that they should just take it so that they're not screwed. And so I'm moving back in with my parents at the age of 30 uh, and I can't take half of my shit like these drawers, the shelves, they're they're Mm -hmm. going in the garbage. There's nothing I can do. I just sold my couch uh, yesterday and that's been a nightmare. Because the lady that I sold it to, apparently she has a problem with e-transfers on her end. So, she sends me a check for the couch. (laughs) It's all good. Check. I I deposit the check. And my bank holds on to the checks for five days. But here's the thing. She gave me well over what I was asking. So, I said, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. She's setting up somebody to come pick it up and stuff, and she wants me to pay for it via the extra money via e-transfer because her e-transfer doesn't work. I have gotten 50 messages from her like, why haven't they gotten paid yet? I'm thinking, because it holds it for five days. And she says, no, my stuff's instant. Like, No, your stuff's instant, but my bank isn't working like that. My bank holds it for five days. So now here's the thing. I didn't know that was going to be the case. My my roommate moved his car out of the garage. The couch is in the garage, taking up all the room. We're going to get a $30 parking violation every day mm-hmm. until this goes through. If it's just five days, 130 bucks right there. If it's yeah. business days, like 210 So that's Yikes. what's going on with me right now. But I do have this nice coffee cup.
0: Oh. <laughs> Who the fuck sends a check in 2021, though? Like,
1: damn! I don't know how old she is. All I know is that I have a message <laughs> to respond to her. Uh, well, I would, which I will do as soon as we're done this podcast.
0: You gotta keep those priorities straight. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, huge, solid. <laughs> Let's talk about the hair, though. The hair's different too from last time that we saw you.
1: Yeah, it's much more. I don't know what you want to call it. Look at that the flip though. Yeah. It's, it's got, very um it's shiny. You know,
0: it's like I feel you remind me of characters in um Oh fuck, what's his name? Linklater Later movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Everybody's want everybody wants them or something. I don't Um yeah. you did you see the nineteen seventy nine Salem's lot? No. I look like the the main actor in that. He's got like I don't know if you can look like load up a still right here with it, but just load it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely oh, very seventies, and I cannot wait for a haircut. I'm gonna go for the hair I had in uh, linger a while. If you remember that one,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Linger a while is a short that Larry and I worked with um, a while ago. I was. Looking at, you yeah. know, a bunch of shit because I moved. So, you know, all this stuff piles up and it craps up. And then you look through them and you find shit. Um, I found so many contracts and so many fucking pieces of paperwork. And I was like, fuck, man, that was a long time ago. That was two years ago already. Mm-hmm. It's insane.
1: There was a – I got memories on my Facebook from – one time I was on set. You weren't part of this one. It was, it's called um, My Dinner with Chuck, and mm. it, it, we filmed it two years ago. It's not even out yet because they, they meant to put it out, like, the next Halloween, and then I don't remember what happened. We just did the ADR for it um, around the beginning of the pandemic, and then they want to put it out after mm. the pandemic and put it in festivals and stuff, but... That one's going to be super bittersweet to watch because I don't want to give too much away because, like, it's not my thing and it's not out. So I'll try to sell it without giving too much away, but I don't know how not to. So (laughs) there's an alien (laughs) uh, on set. I voiced the alien and I played a waiter. So. Uh, it was bar, you know, bar. I know, you know, bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, she asked me, it was this production. She's like, yo, Larry, can you come out and help us out? I was like, for sure. Anything for you. Um, so she's like, it's just this waiter role. He's got like five lines. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Here's what it is. So I show up to set and then they're like, we need somebody to read for the aliens, bro. I got you. You have a trained actor here and you're just going to use me to be a waiter. I got this. Yeah, man. So I read for the, uh, the alien, and then I end up reading for him for like three days. And then we get done. Oh, and because they, they had somebody in mind to do the voice. So they they wanted to make sure they could get him contractually. But if not, then it would go to me. And I was like, that'd be mm-hmm. tight. Hell yeah. So I did my waiter with like a Irish-Scottish accent. A like mix between both so you couldn't quite pinpoint it. It's just five mm-hmm. lines. Who gives a shit? So did it. Uh, during the pandemic, they did get the other guy. So all the alien stuff is dubbed over with him. So now every time I watch it, I'm going to be like, that could have been me. And then when I did the ADR, I was looking at the shots. Out of my five lines, I'm only on screen for two of them. <laughs> so oh, this is a bittersweet experience. <laughs> it's the
0: glamorous life. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I feel people don't really know how many shorts are in pre and posts and like so many different stages of production mm-hmm. because they are, are you really one of the hardest things to do just because it's a short and you have to make it concise and to the point and it has to be entertaining, yeah. but also not too long. And also everyone who makes shorts is broke. And so, <laughs> It's a very specific process of, okay, now we have money to do this thing, and now we have money to do this thing, and now we finally got the actor to do the alien voice, because now we have the money to pay him. Um, It's insane,
1: to be completely honest. I'll see if I can find the actor they got, because he was, uh, as far as I understand, bigger in the 90s uh, on like YTV or Nickelodeon or something. Let me see. Did a lot of voice acting. And it is called uh, My Dinner with Chuck. Everybody keep an eye out for it. Yep, a little self-promotion there. Yep, shameless plug. All right, uh, Richard M. Dumont is the actor voicing the alien. He is known for, oh, he does a lot of video games apparently right now. He was in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Origins uh, from 1992 to 2000. He was in Are You Afraid of the Dark? No shit. Yeah. He's got credited 99 actor credits, so good for him. Good for him. Also, the one that I said uh, from 1990... Oh, sorry. Apparently, Are You Afraid of the Dark got rebooted, and he's already done one episode of that.
0: He got rebooted? Everything's getting fucking rebooted. Yeah, it says 2021. It might
1: not even be out yet.
0: Hmm. Everyone just has a streaming service now or is part of a streaming service. <laughs> and now everything's getting a fucking reboot. And I'm like, but why though? And I don't need to know where these characters are 20 years later. Like with the Friends reunion, there was people who were like, oh, but why didn't we see like the continuation of the storyline? And I was like, bruh, because everyone would have fucking hated that because no <laughs> one would have been happy. We all have our own ideas of where these characters are, you know?
1: That's what they should do. They should just get a culmination of like 20 years of fan fiction. See which ones they like. Go with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Otherwise, it's just... It's too hard to please people. And then you add the pressure of it being like a huge fucking thing. No. I would I would not do that. So, coming back on track a little bit. Um. What is it larry with you and older films like the movie that we're talking about today sunshine by the way um you know it's a 2007 film and yeah like every time that we bring you on you have this weird like i don't want to say occult but it's like (laughs) definitely on the (laughs) lesser known side of film uh for a lot of us. But weirdly your episodes are also some of the ones I get watched the most. Oh no. So shit. then I am assuming there's like culty followings for these kinds of movies and I'm just like, where do you where did you get your passion for them? Was it like a father-son thing? Was it things that your friends showed you? Was it like just your own shit? <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, so, so they, they weren't old for me when I saw them. I, I saw them when they came out. Like, if, when we did Frequency, I saw that in theaters when it came out. Uh, Sphere, I did catch, because my dad rented. But me and my father, we really don't agree on any movies. And me and my sister, mm-hmm. we used to get... There was a deal, seven movies, seven dollars, seven days. We would rent them, and then we would... Watch them all in like the span of a day and a half and then go and exchange and get more So just watched anything we could and these are the ones that stuck out sunshine I remember seeing the trailer for it. I think it was on IGN and I was like, oh that looks sick So then I actively seeked that movie out when it when it came out because I don't think we got it in theaters Where I lived so I had to wait for a physical DVD copy soon as it was available. I went out. I rented it I I dug it. I dug the shit out of it. I showed so many people that movie. And then it Mm. stuck with you. I must have brought it up one episode before, and then you wanted to to watch it.
0: Yep. Yeah, You brought it up when we were talking about sphere, I think. Uh, Mostly because it's like, uh, I just, man, the one thing, like, the specific subgenre of sci-fi that I really, really enjoy is basically space travel gone wrong which is most sci-fi to be completely honest (laughs) if you think about it like oh if we're traveling through space man something has to go wrong um but yeah no i just you talked about it and i was like yeah man this is something that i really want to check out uh also seven movie seven days seven dollars what the fuck
1: that's a deal that was on vhs bro yeah man
0: (laughs) yeah now you have companies out here trying to charge us 25 bucks for a digital copy of this piece of crap. <laughs> um, you didn't watch it on Plex? No, I did. I oh. meant like Disney with the whole oh, like, right, right, right. things that they're doing. The and all premium
1: that or something, the early access or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically
0: it's like where it's released the same day as it's released on theaters. Mm-hmm. Well, theaters now that they're open um, and they're like, we got to make that bank um and i guess it makes sense to a certain extent because you know there's a bunch of people working on this film um but i don't know maybe they should work out like student discounts you know like it makes sense yeah. for a family of seven it's like okay here's six people seven people four people you pay one price i get that but it's like if you're a student you're the only one watching that film it's one of the most expensive theater tickets that you've ever yeah. bought,
1: you know. I mean, I used to go to 4DX all the time, so it's about twenty-five bucks that way too. Mm. But that's a choice. <laughs> yeah, it's like there were cheaper <laughs> options. I just chose that experience for the extra.
0: Hmm. Tell us all about about 4DX because I've never been. What? Yeah. You. <laughs> I. You know, I I always thought it was kinda gimmicky, man. I'm sorry. Oh my
1: god. It is, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is honestly my favorite viewing experience. I'm gonna miss the shit out of it when I gotta leave the city in ten days. Nine days. Nine days. Um so you know you know D box where the seat moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pussy yeah. stuff. This 4DX makes that seem just like a little a little car ride. 4DX, I swear to God, it moves ten times more. You are going. You need a seatbelt, but they don't put them in, so you kind of like keep <laughs> slipping out of the seat. So you gotta stay adjusted. <laughs> but okay, so say you're in a speeding car. They have fans on the top of the of the theater, and they gush mm. at you. So your hair's moving like this when you're in the car. The seats rumbling like you're in a car that's moving, and then. If there's a rainy scene or somebody splashes, there's either water that'll spurt in your face or just actually, like, rain down on you. And then, obviously, the wind picks up, so it's moving every way. It's tight. You don't leave soaked, but um, it's tight. I remember when I saw my first Star Wars movie in 40X, I was like, are they going to take the fucking air out of the room? This is going to be amazing. <laughs> um, There was <laughs> Blade Runner 2049. I saw that in 40X, and I was just like, This is a weird one. There's also smells, and that's what made me think of it. There's a scene in that movie where it's right before Gosling meets Harrison Ford, and he's just like in the desert area, and there's a bunch of bees in one shot. I'm just like, right on. If it wasn't for 40X, I'd say that seems slightly pointless to me. Because in (laughs) 40X, the second they showed the bees, the whole room smelled like honey. It was tight.
0: Oh, shit. That sounds cool. That sounds really cool.
1: I was going to say, the best viewing experience I've ever seen in 4DX was Mission Impossible Fallout. That was some tight-ass 4D. Fuck, man. I
0: love that movie. I That's love true. that movie shamelessly, honestly. I watched <laughs> it a lot.
1: I, at the beginning of the pandemic, I re-watched all of them uh, with my buddy Matt, who has seen them all, and then my buddy Dan, who hadn't seen any of them. So we watched them all in one day. We just binge-watched it, and... I, re- I would have told you at the beginning that Fallout would have been my favorite. After rewatching them all back to back to back to back to back to back. I think that wasn't many. Um, number five, I think, is my favorite. Followed closely by Fallout. So it goes Rogue Nation for me, and then Fallout.
0: Man, honestly, all of, I, I fucking enjoy all of them, except for the second one. Uh... See, I enjoy
1: the second one, too. I do agree it's the weakest of them, but I still enjoy it. It's a fucking... It's like an Alfred Hitchcock remake of, uh, I want to say Rebecca, but I don't think that's correct. But it's been a long time.
0: Um, it is a re. It, if it just, it doesn't feel like it goes well with the rest of the series, and it's just like out there. And so much of it is just like it's fun, but you know, <laughs> um, I can't wait for nine to come out. That's just like. High up there on anticipation.
1: All right, well, then I'll, I'll, I can't wait for eight then. Just so you can get to nine. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Um, (laughs) Was that your Canadian uh, impression? Huh? Sorry. Yeah, that (laughs) was my Canadian. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) You see, it's a, like, it's an actual thing. I was on TikTok the other day. And there's this chick that I follow and she talks about a lot of stuff. And then she goes, so I get this a lot in the comments. Like, where am I from? Like, what's my accent from? She's like, Torontonian. That's how I speak. And I'm like, yes, that is exactly how you speak. Uh, It's a thing, man, like actively. Because I've honestly never been to anywhere other than Vancouver in Canada. But I do feel Torontonians do speak a certain a certain ways, um,
1: and it's oh, yeah, very fam. recognizable to me. Honestly, I'm not I'm not hip to the lingo. I don't know. I put air quotes <laughs> there. I'm talking with my hair now. That's a '70s term. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alrighty,
0: Larry. We like doing recommendations on the show. As you know, you've been here before. You know the drill. But mm. I have to tell the new listeners. Uh, So we recommend a book or a show or a movie or whatever. Okay, I didn't know we could recommend books. Yeah, for sure. Anything that you want.
1: All right, well, then I got two. Hit it. All right, for my movie, I recommend a little lesser-known film from, like, 1991, I want to say. I'm not looking this up. Um... It's just this little animated film. I don't think it did very well, so I don't know how many people missed it, but it's called A Beauty and the Beast. Mm. And so what it's about is this guy that's, like, super vain, and so he gets turned into a beast, and then he meets this uh, very nice lady who can read very literate for the time. And mm. you know what? He doesn't even come across to her that, that she's super attractive, even though in the art you're like, should I be attracted to art? It's a weird feeling, yeah. even a, as it a is. young boy. Um, but then she's like, I don't want to be with you, you hairy beast, which then puts things into you at uh, later ages when you become a hairy beast. I don't know if you can see my chest hair. Um, but then at the end, uh, when he turns back to human, she's like, oh, my God. Yeah, I would. Oh, my God. Yeah, I yeah. will. So what it, uh, what it says to you is either shave a lot. Mm-hmm. or just uh, it's against interspecies erotica, and I guess we should all be against that. So, good message. Yeah. Even though I'm not going to mm-hmm. shave my whole body. Somebody's going to get a beast. Um, <laughs> as for as for books, because I didn't know we could do this, I will recommend The Dark Half by Stephen King. It's about... Okay. Um, so, Stephen King has a pseudonym. It's Richard Bachman, uh, and he hasn't written as him since, I think, 1996 I want to say, but... Before then, he took a big hiatus. Where he, oh, oh, you're gonna say something?
0: I think he stopped after the coke. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. Like I feel like, <laughs> I feel him being coked up all the time made it so that he wrote a lot. So then he was like, "Man, I gotta split He's this shit still, in the middle." <laughs> he,
1: he just wrote two books this year, dude. He's still going. Um, yeah. What was I gonna say though? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this character has a pseudonym. And he kills the pseudonym. He's like, okay, I've been found out, so I'm just going to say, take all responsibility. It's me. So they do this whole little article about uh, the death of his pseudonym, and now he's coming out. So they do a like little fake gravestone or whatever. But then, where they did this fake photo, sh- well, it's a real photo shoot for a fake person. The mm-hmm. ground opens up, and he comes out afterwards, right where the fake tombstone was. And now his pseudonym is coming to life and he is trying to get him to write for him again because he doesn't want to die. And so that mm-hmm. that's thats literally, long story short, there's way more to it, uh, and yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've I, I gotten a lot into reading lately, which is I, I like, but uh, I got through that book in eight days. Damn. Yeah. I know you read a lot, too, so you could probably get through it way faster.
0: Well, I... Honestly, I'm kind of like in a reading slump, actually. Yeah. Uh, I haven't picked up in a book in a while, uh, which happens, you know. Like, I just packed mine just all up. I
1: can't read. I don't have a choice. Yeah. But
0: uh, I was really happy to see that you got into Stephen King. Stephen King was the reason why I kept reading as a teenager. No way. That's tight. Like, for me... You know, I started reading a lot as a kid, but you like you read kid stuff like Chronicles of Narnia or like Harry Potter or whatever. Um, And then as I started going into middle school, high school, I was like, okay, you know, I want to try different shit. And um, I was watching Friends because Friends, you know, was a thing in my life for a really long time. So I was watching Friends and that episode where Rachel and Joey reading The Shining came up yeah so i was like i mean could it really be that scary like i wanted to check this out so the sh- i read the shining um it's not that scary no i was younger and there were parts where i was like that just <laughs> happened i guess um but yeah no stephen king is a great author to just dive into because he has so many different books in different genres and you might like some of his more like serious stuff like revival and you might like some of his more classic 1990s coked up Stephen King's when you say you had gone out and bought Stephen King books I was like so you bought 10 which is you know like a reasonable number
1: dude okay so uh, we got locked down again in Canada and literally the day before they announced it I went to Value Village I was in the value village. I had five Stephen King books in my cart. And then they announced while I was there, I got the notification on my phone. Yeah, lockdown starts tonight at midnight. I bought every mm. Stephen King book they had. <laughs> I went right back, <laughs> turned around. Uh, 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 and then I went online, bought uh, won a bunch of eBay bids. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I, I got quite a few. And uh, when I go back to my hometown, my friend's mother... Actually picked me up some that I'm missing, so I've got even more to go through.
0: That's dope. That's dope.
1: I will say right now, what? Early King, not hmm. my favorite. Later King, mm-hmm. so far, I think has been holding well to me. Anyway, Early King is so overdrawn. Like You get so much information, which is nice. Say if if I was an actor as I like to think I am. And I was studying for a role. I would love yep. his early stuff because I would find out everything about every character. Yeah. But I think it's stall like it stalls the story. It's like, okay, we could get to plot here. There was a part in Salem's lot, which is the last one I read mm-hmm. uh, seven, like 653 pages. I think it was, it took like 300 and something just to get a fucking vampire. And there was yep. one part where a bot. Have you read it?
0: Not, oh, not all of it. I DNF'd it.
1: Mm-hmm. There's there's one part where this body goes to the next town over to the corner and is saying, this is about 400, 500 pages in, and I'm just, it's dragging. I'm just like, I don't, just give me the plot. Give me the story. I just want to keep going. Yeah. There's this coroner, and he looks at the this body that's turning into a vampire, and it says he f- had a urge of like he felt scared and he's never felt this scared before in his life and i was like okay that's where we ended he's never felt that scared before in his life and then the next line except for when he was a child and then i go fuck you king don't do it don't you tell me about when he was a kid we're never gonna meet this guy again and yes we find out about what scared him when he was a kid i'm just god damn it (laughs) reading
0: (laughs) i have to agree with you to be completely honest i like I love The Shining. I think The Shining is probably, that's why it's a staple of his work. But um, I read Carrie, and Carrie was, it's a short book, but yeah. it honestly felt eternal.
1: <laughs> no, I actually, that was, I almost thought about not packing that up, because I was like, it's short enough, I could probably get through it. And then I was like, but it's early King, so I don't know if I'm in the mood after just doing another early King to go f- to another early King. So I might jump around in his biography. I don't know what you call it. <laughs>
0: Uh me neither, but we'll we'll stick with your word. Right on. <laughs> uh so what's what's been your favorite from what you've read
1: of him? Honestly, the the one I recommended, the Oh that's not true. It. It was easily my favorite. I fucking loved it. Yeah. And then it might be Doctor Sleep, which I know I gushed about the movie, but the book is way different, and I still enjoyed the hell out of it. And it didn't take away from the movie, because like I said, it's way different, so it's not hard to not compare the two, that's nice. And then Mm -hmm. The Dark Half, easily that's my top three right there, so It, number Uh one, uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, Dr. Strange. What the fuck? Dr. Doctor sleep. Dr. Sleep. And the dark half. Oh, man. Actually, I, mean, I did a live honestly, stream on my Twitch where I read all of Elevation in just one sitting. Mm-hmm. It took haven't three read and a half hours. Elevation. It's not very big. It's like 180 pages. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I feel like, to me... Us liking it is totally contradictory to what we just talked about, about how he like overdraws everything. But But
1: those characters actually connect and mean something to the story. Mm -hmm. The only, I will argue the only part that doesn't necessarily do it would be, sorry, uh, burped. The only part that I don't think would, would be chapter two with the, uh, the, the hate beating like the, where they beat up the gay guys and throw them off the bridge. Because right. a lot of those characters don't come back. But some of the police officers do. So it's like mm-hmm. you get a sense of that. And then obviously Pennywise shows up to bite the armpit. But <laughs> there's the, the interludes. They are called interludes. It's like you can skip yeah. them if you want. But it gives you a history of the the town. And I actually the thought town. that was some of the sickest thing. Like the, the black spot, if you remember that stuff, with the black yeah. spot. That is probably my favorite part of the book. And it takes place really dope. like – 50 or 60 years before the events of the book. Yeah. And you, can you get a young Dick see... Holleran from The Shining there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was what I was going to say. Like, I love how he keeps interconnecting his shit <laughs> throughout the books. And for me, it just really works, even though some of the stuff is dated because yeah. the kids are, kids in the 50s not the 80s mm-hmm. like in the movie so their fears are like the classic Universal movies and that feels like a little bit foreign to a lot of us but at the same time I feel like he makes these kids feel so real that you're just in it with them and I think it is definitely my favorite as well yeah, although it does yeah. get kind of fucking weird um, I like you can see the cocaine show up
1: There's not an aspect of that book that I don't enjoy. Um, I honestly, I've seen the TV miniseries, like the two episode thing. And then Mm -hmm. I watched, obviously, the two parter movie. And as I read the book, I was just like, this should be a fucking like miniseries with a minimum Mm -hmm. of eight episodes. Minimum. Maximum, make that thing a fucking 12 episode. We can get this all in, and if we if somebody does this correctly, this would be fantastic. Like, obviously, you have to cut out the child sex scene, but here's the thing about that child sex scene. <laughs> Everybody was, like, just talking about, oh, oh, I can't believe these kids had sex or whatever. So I was getting ready for, like, some really weird shit, and then when it happens in the book, I was okay with it, and I'm not sure I'm okay with that. Put that together. <laughs> okay. It's like, a,
0: I feel like the child sex scene is definitely over. It's not an over-exaggeration. I understand why it's a weird thing to read, especially because of like, the fact that this is 2021. Yeah, and, when, and they were or, all 11-year-olds. Like, coming out. But um, I don't know. I feel like we forget how young people used to develop before like and it comes out in different pieces of media too um but i remember we read a book in spanish literature class in like ninth grade i think and it's about this little boy and how he like falls in love for his uh with his neighbor and she's like i think she's like 30 or about to turn Mm -hmm. 30 and he's like 12 and Long story short, when he finally tells her at the end of the book, it's because she's like moving away or something. And so she like tenderly kisses him on the lips for like a second. And half of the people in my class were losing their fucking shit. they were like, oh my God, what the fuck? And I'm like, it was, it was one kiss, yo. (laughs) Uh, I don't know.
1: D- they didn't put any de- description of where her hands were. Just calm down, okay, guys? <laughs>
0: yeah, it was just like a... I don't know, man. I feel like sometimes, especially over here in America, in the Americas, people get really freaked out about sex very easily. Yeah, it's weird. Um,
1: I don't get that either.
0: Yeah. Anywho, uh, for my recommendation, I want to stay within the sci-fi genre. Cool. Mostly because of uh my love for the type of movie that we saw where it's like it's a straight up sci fi and I fucking love that. And me and Naga were talking about it before uh when we watched Stowaway, which is this new s- space travel movie on Netflix and how it's like you know, it's very it it tries to be very realistic or plausible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but I enjoy when it's just like they speak for five or 10 minutes of exposition and it's like, none of that <laughs> made sense. And I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, so basically, and I also like uh, creature features. I think those are right great. So I wanted to recommend a movie that I feel like gets a lot of hate and I get why, but I also think it's really fun and it's honestly pretty well made. Uh, I wanted to recommend life. Which is yes. with, um, yeah, it's uh oh my god I'm totally blanking on her name even though I love her uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson? Ferguson yeah yeah and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's in there right yeah and I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, Ryan Reynolds
1: yeah yeah
0: I thought that movie was dope honestly Dude. and I get people thought that it was a lot like Alien, but I'm yeah, like, why is. is that a bad thing? <laughs> Dude,
1: I call it Alien 1. 1. 1.9 even. Mm. I think it's Alien turned up to 11, and yeah. I know it's your recommendation. I hate the fucking bum rush. It's from the writer, one of the writers of Deadpool, and there's Ryan Reynolds uh. in there, so uh, no spoilers, but uh, I'm not actually a Ryan Reynolds fan, and I mm. like what goes on in this film. <laughs>
0: I thought, here's the thing, I think Ryan Reynolds is pretty one Yes. Uh, especially after he started playing Deadpool, I feel like everything is just like, now that's him, that, that, that's his whole thing. I, um, I thought that
1: before, like, even him in Blade Trinity, it's like, this is not the tone of this movie, like, if you go through that series... <laughs> Why are you doing this? <laughs> but he does it in everything. The only the the movie where I yeah. didn't mind it was Just Friends. I don't know if you've seen Just Friends. I didn't mind I didn't it in that. And then yeah, he basically does the same character for everything, and that that really yeah. bothers me.
0: And like it, it's fun from time to time, right? Like it it like it's a it's an okay thing to do. But after a while, it's like I don't know. I feel there's actors who just fall into that. I feel like Melissa McCarthy. So, Mm-hmm. another really obnoxious one in my head Yeah, where it's like,
1: girl, you could do something else. <laughs> I know. They, there's, there's people where you're like, okay, this person in this movie, I know exactly what they're going to give me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's sure. where you mix it up with Jake Gyllenhaal.
0: <laughs> Dude, honestly, I could see Jake Gyllenhaal in anything. I think Hell yeah. he's fucking amazing, man. I think life gets a really bad rep just because of the similarities between it and Alien. Uh, but I agree with what you said. I think it's just... Alien is really good and it still holds up. And I think it's an amazing movie. But you know, there's new technology that people are able to fil- do filmmaking with. And it adds to it also. The cast is fucking dope as shit. And uh, I remember when it came out... And this is a little bit spoilery. So if you don't want to hear about it, you can skim like the next 30 seconds. But I remember when it came out because it's a Sony movie... Everyone was like, holy shit, man. This is like a Venom prequel kind of thing. And I was like, (laughs) I mean, I'm down for that, honestly. Like, if they just pulled it out of the fucking rug, like, under, pulled the rug from under us, I think it would have been the really cool marketing thing where it's like, and now we have Venom. Uh, But no. Uh, For Venom,
1: we just got this whole. Did you like Venom? I like Tom Hardy.
0: Yeah yeah okay so we're like on the same page Um, alrighty so let's go from one sci-fi universe to the next and we are back and simply because I like how Larry does this type of stuff I will let him introduce the film you guys we're talking about sunshine which was released in 2007 and uh killer fucking cast oh yeah like, oh it's gets yeah.
1: insane so for cast members we have uh, let me let me go through this <laughs> a killian murphy <laughs> mm-hmm. who scarecrow what uh we have a rose burn um from insidious yeah. which is what i would say she's from You got this Chris Evans guy. You got Cliff Curtis, who's been with us before with Dr. Asleep. Mm -hmm. We have got uh, more people that aren't loading. (laughs) 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 Michelle Yao from um, Tomorrow Never Dies or, you know, Memoirs of a Geisha. Or she's in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right? That too. Yeah. And uh, the other guy whose name I am going to butcher, Hiroyuki... Sonata?
0: Yeah. Right on. Who's recently in Mortal Kombat, right?
1: Yeah. 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 And then you got Benedict Wong, who's also in Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Strange.
0: (laughs) That's actually Doctor Strange.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Call back to a a mistake. Made it a joke. (laughs) Uh, You got fucking Mark Strong, man. Mark Strong's always good, in my opinion. And then you got mm. this uh, guy named Troy Garrity, who I have seen in other things, but he never blew me away. And uh, I won't yeah. lie, he doesn't blow me away in this, but I don't hate him.
0: Yeah, he's just, he's literally just like the guy. Everyone yeah. is star level, or at least became to some degree star level. Um, and he's just there. And, you know, that happens sometimes. But, um, anyways, Sunshine, it was written by alex garland which i was like of course once i saw it at on the credits i was like yep that makes sense um (laughs)
1: because it does man (laughs) because he Uh, has done other things such as annihilation Ex machina Machina, 28 (sighs) days later which was also directed by danny boyle and danny boyle also directed this film called (gasps) <gasps> Sunshine, which we are watching Sunshine. and talking about. Yeah. So crazy. Full circle right there. Full circle. Uh,
0: so for those of you who skipped right into the movie talk, hello, welcome. How Hi. are you? Hope you're having a great day. Larry's here. Uh, disclaimer, Alga's not going to be here for a while because he left us. Um, for the mountains. He'll be back. <laughs> they all come back. Uh, don't, he, just, he, he got a job. <laughs> we're, we're fine. <laughs> We still talk to each other, uh, and we're talking about sunshine. So, if you skip to here, you're probably wondering when we're gonna get to it. So, Larry, five minute, spoiler free, quickie review. Go.
1: Okay. Well, I'll talk. I'm, I'm gonna first say what the movie's about. So, the movie's yeah. about the sun is dying. If the sun dies, you know, we die. We get it freezes. You know, we we no heat. We die. That's it. End mm-hmm. of humanity. So. We send a spaceship up there with a bomb the size of Manhattan to recharge the sun. That is the that is the little synopsis. What my my quick review is all these characters make sense to me. I understand where they're coming from, why they're doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And once shit gets going, it doesn't stop. Shit is always happening. Yep. And there for me, boom, super entertaining. That was five minutes. Uh my review of that is I was entertained all the time. I get what characters are doing. So I was in this world. I could follow it. Boom. I liked it. Now now yours.
0: Alrighty. So I heard of this movie through you. Uh I probably heard of it before, but like it honestly stayed in my head after your pitch of like you know, the sun's dying, let's send a bomb to reignite it. I mean, like, fuck yeah, please send me <laughs> up. Uh, honestly, man. And I didn't even know about the cast. Like, I knew Killian Murphy was in it because he's, like, on the poster. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking very fucking jagged, if you ask me. But um, I didn't know about the star cast until I started watching it. And I was like, dude, this is an ensemble cast. Like, it's insane, man. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was... I was really excited to watch it. Alga was a little bit iffy on it. I think he missed out, honestly.
1: Um, we'll see, he probably wouldn't even watch this episode. He'd be like, "I'm not in it. I don't care." <laughs> and then he, he, won't, he won't give this a shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but look, man, I just I like when movies really go all out into a weird, wacky plotline, you know. And I feel this is a good example. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I know there's a Matthew McConaughey movie that deals with dragons in, like, a modern time.
1: Oh, You Rain of uh, Fire? I want to watch yeah.
0: that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Rain of I like fire, that one, too. Sure. Um, and I've heard that it's also this, that, the this type of movie that just commits to what it's trying to do and not go any further. And I appreciate when they do that because uh, I'm here for that. So in terms of my review, I was in it. For all of it, to be completely honest, I love the cast. The visual effects hold the fuck up, man. Like, yeah, they dude, are so good.
1: Did you um, did you do any research into this? Hmm? Did you do any research into it? Like, did you look into what they did?
0: Yeah, a little bit, but we'll get to it on the on the spoiler side of things. Okay. But yeah, I'm excited just, to hear your take on it too.
1: No, I was just gonna say that the the visual effects, like most most people, like they send it to a bunch of different places to get it all done in a timely manner but they wanted it super consistent. So they just had one like company do it all. And it took a year just to get all the effects.
0: That's insane. I mean, it makes sense though, right? Like it makes sense that if you want it to be consistent, especially in 2007, when all of this stuff was just kind of new to be completely honest, um, everything was constantly being developed and trying to figure out the best way to do it. Um, I heard that the third act of this movie was kind of controversial, uh, because it does kind of take a little bit of a left turn there, but uh, I was honestly here for it. I enjoyed the shit out of it. And uh, with that, we can jump straight into the spoiler discussion. And um, what was was, like uh, your first experience with this movie? You saw it in theaters.
1: No, no, I didn't. No, the theaters didn't have it. I had to wait for this one to come out Uh on video. Okay, okay. So, I rented it. I brought it home. I watched it with my sisters. They did not care for it at all. I loved it. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to put that on again right now. What the hell? That was tight. I turn around. They're like, yeah, we're leaving. And I go, what? <laughs> what? Did we not see the same movie? They're like, mm, mm, didn't do anything for me. I thought it was kind of boring. I was were you even watching? Were you on your phone? What do you mean? It was boring. Stuff doesn't stop happening. What What do you want from a movie? So, oh, man, my my first experience with it was yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> that was my
1: first experience with it.
0: I agree, to be completely honest. I think it grabs you from the get-go. Uh, there's a couple of things that you know are very 2007 I'm not gonna lie uh, especially the editing it has a little bit of that music video edge to it <laughs> uh but I think Danny Boyle did a great job with the film um so we can talk about what we really enjoyed about it you know what what your favorite aspect of this movie is and then uh, we can get a little bit nitpicky I'll
1: tell well. you what Honestly, out of uh, all the characters, fuck. Okay, I'll, I'll explain. Since we're doing spoilers, I'll explain some things yeah, first yeah. and then I'll ask you this question. Okay, so as you know, if you, if you listen to the non-spoiler stuff, sun is dying, you got to go recharge the sun with a bomb the size of Manhattan. Um, there was already one ship that had gone and they lost contact with. Seven years later, they send out this second one to go do the job. Mm -hmm. On the way, they get near a planet, and it kind of acts as an antenna, so they get this radio signal, and it turns out it's a message from the original ship, which is Icarus, and their ship is Icarus too. and in the Greek mythology, Icarus uh, had wings made by his father that were made of wax and feathers. Mm -hmm. He told him not to fly so close to the sun because, you know, your wings will melt. It's made of wax, and not to go near the ocean— because your wings will get wet and so they'll get thick and you can't lift he ended up loving the feel of flight so much that he got too close to the sun they did melt and he landed in the ocean (gasps) crazy so anyway crazy why call a fucking ship that if you know they're going to the sun (laughs) it's almost like you're setting it up for failure but they did and then they decided no fuck it we'll call the other one Icarus too not uh, waterproof or something but um yeah yeah (laughs) so they get going And on the way they get this radio signal and then they realize, hey, this is from the the first ship. It's still out there. So we can go off our course, intersect with that, see what we can do because they have another bomb. We have two chances at this. We can do this. Um, Chris Evans' character is like, that is not our mission. We have Mm -hmm. what we need to get it done. Let's just go and let's just do it. Whereas they end up taking a vote and like You know, other science officers have a uh, have their say and they say Mm -hmm. they want to take the risk because it's better to have two payloads than one. And that's when shit goes on. So Benedict uh, Wong's character, Trey, uh, he's the mathematician. He has to set up the new trajectory, how they're going to go. There's so many variables in place that he forgets one of them and he doesn't align the shields properly. Now, the shield obviously blocks out the heat of the sun. They're that close to the sun. The sun's going to fucking hurt. It's going to burn some shit. So the shields don't change right away. Boom, critical failure on the ship because the sun hits it in some places where as soon as that critical failure happens, then the shields auto-adjust. Whereas the shields, I mean, I wish they auto-adjusted before. We're in the future, like just... Make that a thing, but I understand. <laughs> Movies got to make a story; things have got to happen. So I get it. So yeah. that goes on. Uh, they end up. Killian Murphy and the captain go out to fix up some of these panels, make it right. Yeah. Uh, the captain ends up dying out there. Benedict Wong. Sad. Sad, sad moment. <laughs> that that visually too cool though with the. Yeah, I don't even oh, know notice. Dude, describe and it. I feel like.
0: In these two sequences, or mainly the the whole spacewalk sequence, A, Mm. you know something has to go bad. If anyone goes on a spacewalk ever in a movie, something has to happen. If it doesn't, you just feel fucking cheated, man. (laughs) Um, But I love the production design of the ship itself. I think the shield is a super cool fucking like contraption thing that works. Uh, And their suits. I think bulky spacesuits that just look whack <laughs> should be a thing that is more constant in movies because they're huge and they're bulky and have like a slit that they can look through yeah, because yeah, they're the so close the look to <laughs> the sun. Um, but it just really adds a lot to the whole sci-fi element of the film, which I heard that while they were making it, Alex Garland and Danny Boyle, they were collaborating on the script. They you know, they did consult a lot of people about the science and about all of these different ideas of what it is to space travel. And mm-hmm. then they went that different route that a lot of directors do. And they were like, oh, we have all this information now that we've gathered and we're going to toss it in the garbage uh, because plot is more important to our science fiction film mm-hmm. than being, you know, a hundred percent accurate with the science. And I, Love that. I love that they chose to be true to what they were trying to say with the story and true to the characters and their motivations more than, oh, you know, we need to make a accurate space travel movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: Well, I think right off the bat, literally right off the bat, you have to go in and accept the suspension of disbelief. Because, like, I'll say it again. They're flying with a bomb. The size of Manhattan. Alright, so you already... The second you you accept that, which is right at the beginning, if you don't accept that, you're probably out. Stop. You have to accept that. And the second you accept that, that anything else that happens, you're like, okay, this is is what it is. You tell me this is what it is, this is what it is. As long (laughs) as you don't contradict what it is, we're in. And this movie does not contradict what it is. It knows what it is and it goes for it.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, the captain and kappa who's a physicist which you know he's ultimately the one who made the decision to go get the second payload. which i'm not gonna lie i think just comes from the fact that he's deeply insecure because i feel any other dude like a more rugged seasoned space physicist traveler whatever you want to call him would have been like nah man we're good (laughs) but he he's so young to me and that's like one of the first things that like you said like if you're accepting the fact that they're carrying this bomb to reignite the sun you have to just go with the flow and like take the punches as it throws them to you because it's his bomb he describes it as his bomb and i'm like man but like how old is he right like realistically speaking i understand that he's supposed to be some kind of genius but i also like the idea that even though he I assume that he is. He's not like an arrogant prick about it. And he's just yeah. kind of very like, oh, man, we're all in this together. It's kind of like a last hope effort. Um, but yeah, so he chooses to go. And everyone's like, yeah, man, that makes sense. Well, not everyone, but most, uh, mostly everyone.
1: You mean he chooses to go to the other ship is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I was going to say, I thought you meant for yeah. the spacewalk. I was like, that ain't, that's not true. Okay. <laughs>
0: oh, No. Also, yeah. <laughs> I think Chris Evans, when he's not being Captain America, which, you know, for a lot of people, he's just is Captain America now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I loved him in Knives Out. And that's why I love him in this, because he's like totally different. And he's like, yeah. no, I volunteer. And I was like, oh, here we go again, man. This fucking Boy Scout. And he's like, no, no, no. I volunteer. Kappa. I volunteer. And I Kappa. was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so they're out. They're
1: spacewalking. And shit goes wrong. Yes. Uh, the the sun is coming up on the shields. They gotta make it. They get to the last one. Kappa um, almost dies. Captain does die. Benedict Wong's character, Trey, feels all this guilt. Like, this is my fault. I did all these things right to get us where we're going, but I fucked up this one thing, and it turned out to be a big fucking thing, and now somebody is dead, and it's because of me. And so now he feels all this guilt, and they... They put him in a, a little psych ward thing because they, they think he's suicidal. And they end Which, up Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> we uh <laughs> <laughs> We end up getting to the Icarus to uh the Icarus one. We mm. go on to the Icarus one and it is covered in dust. Like probably too much dust. But yeah. right on. <laughs> 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 I I left out a part. When the when the sun hits the ship because the shields weren't aligned, uh, their oxygen room, which is just filled with foliage and plants and stuff, goes up mm-hmm. in flames. So now they're going to run out of oxygen. So that's a big thing, too. Yeah. Uh, and that would have never happened if they just stayed on course and didn't decide to leave. So mm-hmm. I'm sure Benedict Wong is also feeling pretty guilty about that. So not only is one for sure dead, but all these other people could be dead <laughs> because of me. So anyway. Yeah, Chris Evans doesn't blame Wong on that because the whole no. situation would have never happened if Killian Murphy's character, Kappa, does, didn't decide to go. Didn't say it was the better option. However, Cliff Curtis's character is the one that put it in their heads to begin with. That's so, what I was going to say, man. Yeah, like, say, If we're pointing fingers, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the Icarus 1. They board it. Uh, they want to split up to uh cover the ground more fully, see what yeah. they can find. When they get there, they see the old crew sitting around like in ashes and like it looks like a nice little painting. it's just it's a work of art of murder <laughs> 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 and if If they took the time to count, they would notice that one one person is missing, but they don't take yeah. that time to count. And no. when they get to the ship there's flashes uh, from a picture of the crew together and it's just like there, it's like a subliminal. You're like, Did I see something? The editing, and then as they keep yeah. appearing, you're like, Oh no, I'm definitely seeing something. There's something here. But the first <laughs> one you're like, Wait, what is this? Uh,
0: yeah, and I feel it really works because honestly for me it was just kind of like a what the fuck moment and yeah. then you're just You're paying attention caught in this moment of like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't wanna miss the next one, you know, I just wanna see it. For sure, for sure. And I feel like, you know, the moment that they're like, we should split up. I'm like, of course you should, man. Like, if you don't, no one's going to die. Uh, <laughs> so please proceed.
1: <laughs> if you guys don't split up, there's no way for somebody to sneak on to yours, you know? I mean, who? Yeah. who why would that happen? <laughs> it's been seven years. <laughs> How could that happen? <laughs> so anyways. But um,
0: I love, though, that, you know, you see these little bits of editing that really bring the plot forward where it's like we see Wong out of the medical bay yeah. right like we see his character listening on to what's going on on the ship and you know he already knows that there's not enough oxygen for them and they've already you know presented the idea between saying, some of them that three of the crew members are gonna have to die just so that they can reach their mission like Going back home has completely gone out of the out of yeah. the question. It's out of the question. They're, it's not going to happen. But they show you him listening on and you're like, okay, so he's out. What's going to happen? And then while the rest of the guys are investigating the beautiful murder scene, <laughs> the Icarus 2 detaches itself from the Icarus 1.
1: Doesn't just and detach for moment, itself. Man? The airlock snaps
0: off. And for a moment I honestly thought it was it was Benedict Wong's character. I was like, Yeah man, I mean it makes sense. Like he feels responsible I guess he's already carrying a guilty conscience, so he's <laughs> you, like, Hey man, if we're gonna survive
1: Oh, <laughs> okay, you took it that way. I thought you were See the way that he feels guilty about all the deaths already happening, I don't think your way makes sense to me. I feel like he'd feel but, extra terrible about killing those other people <laughs> left out there. <laughs> I
0: in my in my head at the moment it was like, "Hey man, right. he's already okay. like in a really dark place, and he knows they need to reach the mission, right? Like, because supposedly if they don't, humanity it dies, right? And yeah. that's why yeah. that's the... some of them as crew are just like very cold about the fact that if they have to die, they have to die, and that's it.
1: See, right? o- like, honestly, like this whole thing was. I was gonna ask you which character. Do you agree with more? And honestly, like, the only person that I think had their head on straight knowing the, like, full mission, like, guys, this is for fucking humanity. This is for mankind as a whole. If we don't get this done, that is it. We are extinct. I think the only person that had their fucking head on straight was Chris Evans. He did not want to do any of this. He's like, guys, we have the mission. We are ready for the mission. This place is designed for the mission. Why are we changing it? Yeah, so I, I'm with and
0: him. It, I'm I'm with him too, man. Honestly. And here's the thing. I, I like his character, even though he is used a little bit to be kind of expositional. And I didn't particularly like that when he's all like, <clears throat> just to be clear. And then he proceeds to explain the yeah. whole mission to all of them. <laughs> and I'm like, y'all been planning this for seven years. But I guess they did need a reminder of it. Because like you said, he's the only one who's like, we're not going. Right, yeah. like this is not something that we're debating. Like we shouldn't go. They're not alive.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I think it's actually kind of funny that you said that thing about uh, the exposition, because I was actually like, yeah, I was thinking the exposition in this movie is not very much, and when it does happen, it mm-hmm. never gets repeated. If you're not paying attention, fuck you. This movie says that is true. That like, is there's true. the the part right when killian murphy decides that they should go get the extra payload he's talking about how the payload works and when it gets up to the sun it says space and time is going to fall in on each other and it's going to be unquantifiable we're not going to know what's going to happen and then at the part at the end where we will get to when that thing happens if you didn't pay attention to that little part you're gonna be like what the fuck's going on right here <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I feel like this movie can definitely push away certain viewers because of that. I feel like a lot of people are not used to necessarily pay attention anymore and people just go on their phones. But I'm not going to lie to you. Halfway halfway across the movie, something... something came up with work and I had to like pull out my phone. So I was like texting. And then when I came back to the movie, I was like, well, what, what the fuck? Where, what, where are we? So I had (laughs) to like like, go back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I feel like all of the characters make sense to who they are. Right. Like the guy who stays a second in command, I will say this, I will say this, I will say this. The one character that I had an issue with, and mostly just because, I, like, I don't have a real reason for me to have an issue with him. Yeah. But um, Cliff's character, the I psychologist, you were say that one. it's like I don't necessarily get him. I I understand that he's supposed to be like a parallel, like, contradiction comparison thing to Mark Strong's character, who we're gonna get to in a minute. Mm-hmm. But it's like he is supposed to be. The sanest one. Like, he's supposed to well, be they, taking care of everyone's they sanity. Do the little,
1: they do the little joke. Like, literally, I think in, like, the first scene where you meet him, where Chris Evans says, uh, my issue is that you're the psych officer, and I'm clearly more sane than you. Yeah. <laughs> so, they – they, I would say they tease you into it, and I ain't no fucking tease. That's <laughs> just like – Yeah, I right. know.
0: It's like – In your face. Also, I'm not going to lie. For the first five minutes that Chris Evans was on screen, no idea who he was. He looks so (laughs) different with the long hair and the scruffy beard. And it's also 2007. He he Um, looked like
1: me, but pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: So they all go back to the airlock. And they're there, and they see, like, clearly they're fucked.
1: I was going to say, you left, out, you left out a piece of information that clues something. When when they're going through the ship, they get to their oxygen room, and it is flourishing. So mm. if somebody was going to stay on the ship, they'd have tons of air. Those plants mm-hmm. could probably produce food for him or whoever. Yeah, for sure. So there are some hints. The only thing I will say, uh, for plot reasons... There's no footprints in the in the, all that dust. There's I nothing do. to show that somebody was there. That was the <laughs> yeah. he was like quietly in place around yeah. he
0: like but even even that makes no sense to me as to where he was this whole time because they mm-hmm. arguably they go through the most important parts of the ship right yeah but they don't see him and of course the footprint thing is kind of like a huge red flag.
1: Well, I will say, granted, it was dark as shit in there. When they got in there, the lights weren't working. So I imagine his eyes would have adjusted to to something in there so he could get by. Because, hmm. um, you know, like you spend some time in a dark area, your eyes adjust, whatever. Yep. So that that's what I'll, I'll say. And then it'll get totally contradicted with his uh, uh, addiction to the sun.
0: <laughs> but his hatred of the light, though, right? Which is like a...
1: No because when when Killian Murphy comes upon him on the Icarus too he is in that room observing the sun very brightly
0: Yeah yeah but when he's like chasing after Rose Burns' character she like she's in the dark and she's waiting for him and then like blasts Oh yeah, light. yeah yeah and yeah he, yeah it's a little but it's a little bit more aggressive than I thought it would be because of his love with the son. Like, you would mm-hmm. think after all the fucking damage to his corneas, he'd be like, bitch, Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> me, me and my roommate were talking about that. We're like, should he even be able to see? And my response was, <laughs> my response was, bomb the size of Manhattan, dude. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, <laughs> Just go and, with it. But I will say this, though. I, and I'm skipping a little bit ahead and we'll come back yeah. to the airlock. But I do like the reveal. Because for me, the way that I know that I'm inside of a movie is if if my brain goes in a certain direction that makes no necessary sense. But it's just I'm so in the movie that I'm not analyzing if it makes sense. But when Icarus says to Killian Murphy's character, Kappa, hey, there's five passengers, I was like, oh, shit, is Rose Rose Byrne pregnant, man? Like, is this about to become (laughs) some, like... (laughs) And that's why, for sure, there is a tonal shift in the last act of the movie. Um, but you go, what were you gonna say?
1: I was honestly, when you brought that part up, uh, believe it or not, in the marketing, whoever did the trailer, they put that in the trailer, and like you would no think, shit. oh, that's a big spoiler, like that's the twist of the movie. However, yeah, when I saw that in the trailer, that's. Like, I was probably already in, but that sold me. I was like, oh, shit. Um, okay, so let's let's go back to where we are. Airlock, yeah. there's four people on the ship right now. We have Kappa, Cyril, uh, Harvey, and Mace. So mm-hmm. that's Kelly Murphy, Chris Evans, Cliff Curtis, and Troy Garrity. Uh, Troy Garrity's character is now second in command. Mm-hmm. Um, he... Brings up like a fear of death. He doesn't he he's he's a bitch. Yeah, he comes
0: us. off as a yeah, he's yeah. a little bitch for sure. He
1: doesn't he doesn't want to die. That's his thing. Uh so anyway, Cliff one one person they realize because the airlock's blown open, they have to get back to the ship. One person has to stay behind to open it. They're dead. That's they know it. That's just the way it yeah. is. Cliff Curtis ends up taking that role. So Cliff Curtis, he knows he's inevitably gonna die and uh, now Chris Evans character who's been super logical this entire time knows the mission all about the mission like guys we got to save humanity decides to make sure Kappa is the one that goes back because Kappa yep. is the only one left that can detonate the bomb he's the only yep. one that can set it up he knows how it works um, Troy being a little bitch he does not want to die so yeah he's like I'm your commander, I order you to get out of that suit. (laughs) I need to survive. Which I'm I'm sure there's a manual. It's it's like
0: Dude, you went on this crazy Hail Mary of a mission, right? And I understand that some of these like fears of death and stuff don't come up until you're in that situation. But his whole demeanor changes as to how (laughs) he handles himself and he just comes off as really, really whiny. Mm-hmm. And on the other spectrum of that, you have Cyril, who I'm not going to lie, I think chose to stay back solely because he was also starting to really get into this whole, like, sun god thing. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Is permeating the, that permeated the Icarus 1 crew, or arguably just Mark Strong, and he just yeah. murdered everyone else, but well, we don't know.
1: I think, like, it happens to three characters. Obviously Mark Strong, obviously Cyril, and then I think it happened to the captain, too, because... When you watch the scene, the captain, he, he could have lived, but he stayed because he wanted to see it. So, oh, yeah. Yes. I and agree. even when everybody's telling him to go, I know we're just jumping back now, but when everybody's telling him, like, you can get to safety or whatever. Cliff Curtis, he's not even worried about this guy's safety. All he says is, <laughs> what do you see? <laughs> yeah.
0: And I feel it's like – it's an interesting – I feel Alex, Alex Garland has always tried to I- include this, like, deeper subtext in all of his films. Like, I haven't mm-hmm. seen 28 Days Later in a oh, while. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, but definitely in this one, obviously in Ex Machina. And let's not even talk about Annihilation because it's like 10, 15 <laughs> minutes at the end are just like, <laughs> I don't even know. Um, but I feel like, you know, this whole idea of all of them having to die so that the sun can reignite. He's trying to say something that is kind of lost just because of the whole spectacle of the last third act. Because it does feel a little bit, you know, it just get, gets cranked up to 11. Mark Strong is just murdering people left and right. Well, while I But was you doing... do get these, like, Sorry. glimpses of that.
1: While well, I was doing research afterwards, apparently mm-hmm. the movie was way more, like, there was way more religious aspects to it. And I feel like that would have covered it. But they decided uh, I think it was Danny Boyle decided to tone down on that so that they would better find an audience and not alienate <laughs> another but
0: and yet yeah I will say this though I in terms of Danny Boyle's filmography it is most of it escapes me at the time um, but I was really really happy with how all the visuals and the cast worked together to create this like First of all, you care about the the cast more than you do in other, you know, everyone dies at the end films, you yeah. know. Um, and I feel that that's key. And it's really interesting how he makes it work in a movie that's like one hour and 45 minutes when there's movies that are like three hours long. And you're <laughs> like, well, I didn't give a fuck about anyone in this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think. Searle definitely wanted to die the same way that the crew of Vicker's one dies and he was just like oh, man I will stay for you guys I will make the sacrifice but I think secretly deep down he was like yeah no this is this is the way to go
1: <laughs> Sorry So uh let's get back to the 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 airlock then since you brought us right back So <clears throat> I believe, it, uh, can correct me if I'm wrong, Chris Evans figures out how they can all get back? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they use, like, the paneling on the inside of the ship to wrap around themselves like insulin, or ins- not insulin, <laughs> insulation. <laughs> <laughs> insulation. And they say, okay, so he's going to shoot us, he's going to open up that, uh, the... lock now I can't think of the word (laughs) he's gonna (laughs) open the door we are gonna get shot out like a bullet into space heading towards our other like our ship Kappa can open the door and get us in now we are gonna freeze to death out here do not have any of your skin out do not open your eyes
0: and exhale slowly which I'm not sure what it means I assume it's because there's no oxygen and they can't breathe back but yes yes
1: (laughs) So then we get the nice little score. I really like the score in this film. Uh, and honestly,
0: I can't I can't listen to that song without uh thinking of the kickass scene where they're beating <laughs> the shit out of them.
1: Right on. Uh, I didn't see didn't even occur to me that one, so maybe that's cuz I heard it first in this, I don't know. But yeah, uh, probably 100%. So Cliff Curtis does the ultimate sacrifice. Opens the airlock. Boom. Got it. That's the word. Opens the airlock. They shoot out. They go. Chris Evans is all wrapped up. He's good to go. Kelly Murphy's got them both. The in the number two guy, he, he thinks, man, I've been out here a long time. I should be okay <laughs> now. Opens his eyes. Oh, he freezes. He dies. Floats off Shatters. Yeah good stuff (laughs) which
0: i mean i think it's kind of ironic poetic i honestly don't know what the creative device is here that i'm looking for but it's like he was so afraid of death and he's the one who gets fucked over Mm -hmm. and it's not like killian murphy left him to die it was just like the force of the jump into space fucking sent him flying off in the wrong direction which again hello it's not like You're not shooting a gun. You know, there's really no accuracy here. It's just, like, pure force pushing you out of this room. Um, So, yeah, they get onto the ship. And, uh, you know, arguably, there should be some damage. But Chris Evans is just like, "Ah, just put some blankets on me. We'll get through this and we'll move (laughs) forward. Um, And they're all sitting uh, they're trying to figure out who did it because obviously it was not a malfunction. Nothing happened with Icarus, the computer. So they're like, you know, maybe it was um, Trey. And uh, they're all like, but Trey, you know, he's kind of like doped up. He, mm-hmm. he can barely walk, man. Um, and but honestly, also... I was still like, it yeah. is Trey, man. Like in my head, it was like, sorry, I get it.
1: There is another issue, too, though. With the airlock being open and stuff, they lose even more oxygen. Now they can't even get to the sun without dying, so they need they need to lose one more person. So they take Dude. a vote, and they vote to kill off Trey. But they also make it so Chris Evans is the one that's got to be the one to do it because... Killian Murphy can't do it. Was it was Rose was it? I guess no. It'd be Rose and Michelle. They're not gonna do it either. So. That's Although all Michelle you was la- really
0: on board though, Michelle oh, yeah. was really on board for yeah. the idea because she was the one that proposed it originally. She was like, "Hey man, we're gonna have to like take out the trash out on this bitch." Yeah, that's um, right. She did
1: bring it up the first. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I will say this though. Up until that, you like up until this point where you just explained it, I thought what they needed to do was lose two people. And so it was gonna be Trey, and then Chris Evans was gonna kill himself. I don't mm. know why. Like I said, man, it, this is where I was on my phone.
1: <laughs> okay. Just because this they thing needed came to up. lose three people, they lost Cliff. They lost. They lost Cliff, and they lost a uh, second in command. So they only need to lose one more person, for sure.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel mm-hmm. like I understand why Rose Byrne has to be, you know, the voice of reason. But at the same time, I'm like. Yo, you're honestly arguing for one person against the whole planet. Well, actually, against the whole... Not even the planet, because the other planets would die too, you know? And we don't know if there's life on the other planets, but if the sun goes out, arguably yeah. everything, everywhere would die there in our go. solar system. Suck um, it, solar system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I do but I do like that moment where they're like okay we're going to put it to a vote it has to be unanimous and then she's like you can't have my vote and then they're like well fuck you <laughs> we're doing it anyways.
1: Yeah. So he goes he picks up a, a a a scalpel with a motor in it. Um <laughs> yeah, an <the> electric scalpel. <laughs> but when he opens it there's already two scalpels missing. And well, you do find one right away. He goes to go kill yeah. Trey, and we see that Trey has already slit his wrist, and he is dead. So Chris Evans didn't have to kill him. They call everybody in. They come check it out. Uh, they see that he did kill himself, but then uh, Chris Evans takes Trey's blood, and he puts it on Killian Murphy's hands, and he says, I want you to know this belongs here. And I was like, yeah. oh, shit, man. Yeah. And then they do a little scuffle, but, you know, <laughs> running out of oxygen. So the, the, it's really a little scuffle because they just, both can't breathe. Yeah. And then both the women are fed up with all the uh, testosterone in the room. So they just leave. Testosterone. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Michelle Goway. She's just like, just there's no air. So you should. Probably try yeah. and not exert yourselves, and then she just leaves. She's like, "Fucking men whatever." Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I will say this though: I can't believe that no, like, that it didn't go through his head that there was a scalpel missing, like, mm-hmm. especially in space where well, things are so. He's you know, he's not specific. the doctor though,
1: right? Like, wouldn't who who would that have been? Would that have been Cliff? So maybe he could think that Cliff was using it, set it somewhere else. He's, that was
0: my question, too, yeah. actually, because they they describe him as a psychologist yeah. or a psychiatrist or something like that. I'm like, OK, but that means he has no idea on how the actual body works. It's <laughs> <laughs> like he could sedate Trey for sure. You know, he has knowledge of that type of medicine. But like if someone like broke an arm or something, is that something that Icarus would have taken care of? I was just going to say, like, what, what if Icarus
1: the, just walked somebody through it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I can see that there. Yeah.
0: But anyway,
1: Chris Evans isn't the doctor. Ergo, I I give that one some leeway. Perhaps, you know, somebody (laughs) would have used it. He doesn't know that. Maybe it's in the wash. Who knows?
0: (laughs) (laughs) They had to make dinner with it, you know. Resources are (laughs) scarce.
1: So they all split up. They start doing their own thing. Got to make this thing work. And then when we get to your part you're talking about where Killian Murphy says, okay, so we can get to the payload. Nicaragua says, negative. Um, you have eight. What was it like? Seventeen hours of oxygen left after fourteen six, yeah. hours, or six 16. after sixteen hours. Uh, you can't do hard things after basic. yeah, yeah, basic. And then eventually, yeah. you know, you die before you get there. And it's like uh, no, because she did the math, and four crew members could make it. And Danikar says yes, four crew members could make it, but there are four crew members. Then he names them all off, and he goes negative. There is a fifth crew member. He goes, who's the fifth crew member? Crew member unknown. Where is the crew member? Yeah. In the observation room. Then he makes his way there and he realizes that it is Pinbacker, the captain of the Icarus one, pretty much burnt to a crisp, just like a bunch of boils on him, just popped and stuff because he's been observing the sun and he found Jesus out there. And because if God decided that, you know, the son should die, that is God's will. And so we should die, too. We should just accept it. And so he wants to stop it. He said, who are we to take on God? So he wants to stop this whole mission from happening. He takes a fucking slice (laughs) at Killian Murphy right across his chest but he's still fine. It's all good. He acts it, like later it, on, like ooh, ooh, I put on a shirt. <laughs> oh, that hurts.
0: Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, Uh but also I feel like now that you know that you're that we're recounting the movie and everything, I feel like I understand why they put it into the trailer. That like the big reveal. Yeah. Solely because if in be the too trailer, jarring? you know, it shows like passenger or like fifth crew member unknown then your brain just goes like it's a fucking alien man oh uh, fair, fair fucking fair. alien you know and like alien was still like a huge thing and you know sci-fi films are still like
1: uh, alien will Horizon never not be a huge happened. thing
0: <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like it, it yeah it, it made sense mostly because marketing teams are like not even they're not even interested in selling the movie that they're selling. They just want to sell a movie yeah, yeah. that makes money. So I can see it. I can see it working. Um, And like you said, you can definitely see the religious tones and like the subtext that Alex Garland was probably going for in that scene where he's like, who are we to go against God's will or the universe will or whatever have you. And it's like, you can Dude, he makes a point that a lot of people would be agree like in agreement with yeah it's like hey man if it's our time it's our time and what like why are we fighting it um i'll say this though this is one of the few things that i'm not entirely on board with and it's the fact that whenever mark strong's on screen oh the blur he's not he's not really on screen yeah, yeah. Where it's like i get it it works and i understand that it might have also been a budgetary thing where it's like man he doesn't necessarily look great it but took then five the hours end, each day to get great. that makeup yeah yeah so like for me i don't entirely understand the decision because when we do get a better glimpse of him when they like tear off his arm which he yells yeah, that that was intense well
1: they de-glove um, de- de- his arm they don't tear off his arm
0: yeah yeah um <laughs> So I was like, I don't understand if it looks good. Like, it
1: looks good.
0: I don't understand why this whole fake-out blur music video thing happens. I, I
1: could say something, but it doesn't make sense because then it would have to mean that the camera is real and, like, there's somebody there filming the whole time. <laughs> I'll argue it's the radiation from the sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man. I Yeah, that's like... But other than that, I think the third act really just is a fun ride for me and like you said if you're already on board with the whole space bomb sun re-ignition aspect of the movie i don't understand why people had such a hard time adjusting to the fact that this guy is just murdering everyone um but i guess everyone has a different threshold for ridiculousness at some
1: point i guess i'll I'll, i'm gonna skip ahead uh so He kills Michelle, kills her, stabs her in the back, and then he sets her up like the other crew was set up in Icarus 1, ergo basically implying that he did kill everybody and then set them up like Mm -hmm. a work of art. He goes after Rose Byrne's character, gets her pretty damn weak. He doesn't get Chris Evans, though. And Chris Evans, I think, went out like a boss once again, doing what he needed to do. So, um, fuck me, man. Why can't I think of his name? Penbacker. Pinbacker, Pinbacker, he. Pinbacker, Pinbacker, he disables it shuts it down. The lights aren't working. Nothing's working. It's not running. It's stuck in orbit now. Now it's just not moving. So mm-hmm. he takes this uh, mainframe out of the coolant. I, I, it might not be mainframe. I yeah. might get my word wrong, but it is. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Chris Evans, whose job was to take care of that, decides. All right, this is what I got to do. I got to fix this thing, but nothing's yeah. working. So he has to get inside the coolant to fix this thing. And when I say coolant, I mean fucking freezing, man. Like this shit is not meant for humans. So he goes <laughs> nope. in there and he's basically freezing to death while he's doing it and he saves he opens he opens the doors for people to get gets going. The only reason he dies is cuz his he can't really move he's, he's too cold and his frozen leg gets stuck while this thing's going back into the coolant and then he just starts bleeding out and freezing to death I could just imagine that if you see <laughs> his character like obviously the whole thing gets blown up at the end but if you could see yeah. like him frozen there later on you would be able to like pull out his blood vessels or something just from that stream <laughs> of blood I'd, that'd be so fucking cool to see but anyway For sure. he goes out like a fucking boss doing what he needs to yeah. do to get this goddamn mission done like we should have done from the fucking first place, you sons of bitches. <laughs> Which
0: makes so much sense for the character, right? That yeah, he dies, yeah. like he actively dies for the mission. It's not like, oh, you know, he died as collateral damage. It's like mm-hmm. he knew what needed to be done. He knew that he was the only one that knew how to do it. And he even tells Kappa how to finish the fucking mission. Yeah. Because he, he's like the engineer, you know? But... um kappa is then forced to fend for himself and to think for a couple of seconds and figure a way out of the airlock which he locked himself in and then mark strong locked him into as well and then after blowing his way out of it with the huge spacesuit on because you know he's gonna punch a hole through the through the ship's hull so i actually really like
1: that with the with the flame and then like the visual from behind i like that yeah
0: it looks really cool i again the visuals overall the special effects and the visual effects and just everything about how the movie is told visually really holds up in its style and its execution and i think it's kind of commendable for 2007 because if you see other movies from that time, some of them look really fucking rough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he's walking. Oh, we get Michelle Yao's fucking corpse blown into like oh, a. Oh, yeah, then the camera. I forgot thing. about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is arguably really cool, cool moment. I don't know why that type <laughs> of stuff just like sticks with me, but. <laughs>
1: No, that was a cool shot.
0: That's good. Yeah, for sure. So then Killian Murphy is making his way through the ship. He knows where he's going. He has to. And again, I got a little bit confused because I was like, okay, so the ship's going to blow up arguably because of the propulsion thing. Like once the well, bomb is activated. Because yeah, yeah.
1: the bomb's got the shield on it. So once the yep. shield moves, the whole ship's going to be in view of the sun and ergo it can't take all the heat. Boom. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. which again I don't understand like if that was so if they were if they had all been alive would it like in command during the ship how would have would have would have their path just stayed behind the shield how how would it work I guess we'll
1: never know we have to guess
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe because they were supposed to go back
1: well maybe it was also maybe it was all different. Like perhaps they could remove the shield and then move it over because they all had to change what was going on. Like they just detached the bomb immediately. Mm-hmm. So maybe there was some things, yeah. I don't know. We're, we're not going to know. <laughs> don't ask that question. We- <laughs>
0: Space logic. No, yeah. honestly, I, I didn't even think of it that, at that moment until now. But yeah. for me, what I did think of was like, again, because I got distracted for a second, I was like, wait, isn't Rose Byrne, like, still on the ship? Like, are we not addressing the fact that the ship is now gone and she was on it? And then I remember that, no, like, she runs into the bomb mm-hmm. being chased by this guy, probably because she didn't know that the rest of the crew was dying or already dead. So mm-hmm. she was like, if we're in the bomb, he can't kill more people, I guess. Um, So Killian Murphy runs into the bomb, because you can do that. It's not like now, a solid bomb. It's I know. Like a... <laughs> I
1: know we have said. He just—he's saying he—he he ran into the bomb. I really want to put this in your head, Daddy. It is the size of Manhattan. There are stairs on this bomb. Okay. There's there are things to go. One of my the coolest things is coming up, and I think it might be my favorite part. Um, hmm. he runs into Rose, and uh, she's basically she's weak. She's exhausted. She's just lying there. Where's Pinbacker? I got to stop him. Where is he? He comes up behind him, almost takes them out. He grabs Rose. They get away. Um, Fucking Mark Strong grabs onto him. He's holding him over the edge of this bomb. He grabs his arm, de-gloves it. It was a sick fucking (laughs) shot. And then, not only that, when you think they're falling it's the fucking size of manhattan it's in space the motherfucking bomb's got its own gravity (laughs) it stops them from falling all of a sudden they're standing on the side of it i'm like that is fucking tight that is so fucking tight
0: and it looks super fucking cool like overall it's such a from the moment that he degloves the shit out of mark strong you're just like in this sequence of very cool shots that lead you to them being standing on the roof of the side of the thing <laughs> <laughs> the
1: roof of the side yes yeah. <laughs>
0: and then they just like well not they it's mostly killian murphy who runs into what you would say is the core
1: of the yeah bomb, i guess where uh, needs wherever he needs to activate it. activate it to yeah
0: yeah and so we don't see mark strong again right like it's nope. just like done at this point it's just like yeah I don't nope, think he, he has he, no hand either he, either he
1: bled out there or he was just scared of heights he's like i don't want to jump and slide you know i don't know i don't know
0: if i can do this
1: <laughs> so he gets to the core
0: and he does his thing and he activates the bomb and uh honestly at first when the like sparks start coming in because of how it's like cut between that and them yeah. going into the sun i thought they were a little bit too late i was like oh shit is it getting Like, is it being eaten up by the heat of the sun? Like, Mm -hmm. for a second, that's what I thought. And I was like, man, I, you know, I wouldn't mind. Like, this movie's already starting to get pretty fucking dark. (laughs) If they all die, like, if they don't succeed, that would be a really strong ending. Definitely an alien one. Like, an alienating one. I feel people would have been like, so I just watched an hour and a half movie of people getting killed. Yeah. (laughs) uh so i understand why we get them to be successful in the mission and we get some of the fucking best visuals on the movie in this section of like the bomb igniting itself and how the sun kind of comes up and Mm. almost into him and you get a little bit of what you were saying for him exactly exactly and oh yeah (laughs) And he's just there, and you, I think you get a little bit of what the captain got, and what Dr. Searle also got, where it's like he's just staring at this globe of light and the power behind it, I guess, and how he's just like, eh, well, this is not a it's not a bad moment
1: to <laughs> die." Well, I think it would be super quick, but the fact that he's not feeling any heat. Is where All right, man. You got lucky, bro.
0: <laughs> for me, honestly, the way that the shot was, like, right in front of his face, I was like, are we going to start, like, see it peel off yeah. and shit? Like, that would be <laughs> like a Raiders thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then we just cut back to Earth to his sister, which makes no sense because he sent a message to his parents, but I guess she was also included in (laughs) that. They forwarded it to her, obviously. (laughs) Um, But it was, so she's like in Sydney, I think, and it's all like snowed over, and then the sun comes out, and that's where the movie ends. And again, I like that they're successful in the the mission, and I do like that they all die. Uh, There's something about movies where the crew is just, doomed that I really enjoy. I don't know what that says about me.
1: Nothing. You're good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man. Alrighty. So I've spoken about a couple of things that I didn't like about Sunshine, like the weird editing with Mark Strong and um is there anything that you would point out as something that you don't particularly connect to or agree with not that it takes away from the experience yeah of the yeah and I'm head trying
1: head. to think Mark Strong should be blind there that's it <laughs> <laughs>
0: realistically he should be blind yeah. so, but I was thinking about what you said about how he positions Michelle Yao so then what I'm yeah. thinking happened with his crew is that he murdered them and then mm. burnt them in yeah like,
1: could be mur- well here's the right? thing I think I think he I think he left the room, but he made it so, like, you know how earlier you could only see, like, 3.1% of the sun's brightness before it'll fuck you yeah. up? I think yeah. he basically set them up and then gave them a whole bunch of sun that burnt them up right. but kept the ship alive. That's that's what I think. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I doubt I he know. just went in it's with a cool. blowtorch. <laughs>
0: no he definitely uses sun they were in the observation room the sun was definitely the weapon of choice um yeah now that the conversation's getting wrapped up larry how about we go ahead and give our ratings because we live in a society and people need to know the ratings, especially if they jumped ahead into this part only. But that's why I don't put a timestamp time on it, <laughs> <laughs> so that they at least have to skim.
1: Uh, just out of five, I always ask. Mm-hmm. But out of five, yeah. well, in that case, I want to, I want to give it a four point three. Uh, all right,
0: that's pretty like specific, you know. I'm yeah. happy that you've taken the time. <laughs>
1: That's just how I feel about it, man. I don't know. It's
0: a nice nice little star review. I'm not going to lie. I think uh, the experience is really cool. I think if you enjoy the type of film that just, you know, you're in it for the ride and you're in it for the character and the plot and the wackiness, you're definitely going to enjoy it. I definitely did. I think I'm going to give it a four stars out of five. I think it's definitely worth the watch. I think it's a really cool, fun sci-fi movie. So with that, my cup of coffee's over and I think your cup Oh yeah. Of <laughs> finito. And uh so that about wraps up our conversation on Sunshine directed by Danny Boyle written by Alex Garland. If you made it this far into the show, thank you for joining us. Uh if you miss Elgat, let him know in the comments if you find him on Instagram. You could let him know that you miss him. On and the if you other hand, didn't if make it this far time, into the
1: show, you're not going to be here to hear this, but fuck you. No, I love you. You're good people. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Larry, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this first episode into your guest spot of uh, films and fika. And uh, guys, if you've made it this far, Make sure to like, share the podcast. We're on every podcasting platform, including the one that you're currently listening on. We're also on YouTube, which we put a fair amount of production into, and I think you'd enjoy it if you check it out. You can see us as well as hear us. And uh, the links for recommendations, socials, all of that stuff is on the show notes. Uh, if you want to find Larry, more about Larry, we have other episodes with him. They're all delightful.
1: I have uh, everything. I even have an OnlyFans, I'm not even fucking around. We're good. Yeah, yeah. And, no, uh, okay, so <laughs> I have a Twitch, some video games. I I I'm not very active anymore. Got my Instagram, which I'm not very active also. Letterboxd, not very active. Um f- no, I don't want you to have my Facebook. Um <laughs> I think I even have a SoundCloud if you want to hear some stuff. Uh, I have a YouTube. I have the OnlyFans right now is uh, exactly what you'd expect. It's just a, a dick pic, and yeah. and I was gonna do some. I was gonna read books and upload it there. I'd be like, so I'm gonna put like art and dick. So like you get a mix yeah. of what you want. But sure. uh, basically, I bailed on that idea early because I'm not very good at reading out loud. Apparently. Uh, so yeah, it's, just oh. a, it's just a dick. There's
0: <laughs> just, 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 just a dick one on dick. <laughs> oh, man. Alrighty. Thank you for joining us, Larry. Thank you guys for listening.